Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to, hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. It is a Monday. You know what that means. Another ATP Challenger-centric edition of the Great Shot Podcast hosted by our friends Damian Kust and Jakob Babro. On today's show, as always, they recap another fantastic week of ATP Challenger action. In particular, they talk about why they were wrong about Alex Mulcan. He delivers another strong performance this past week. They discuss their fondness for those players who just seem to have a penchant to be able to come back when facing deficits on the scoreboard. They talk about players who perhaps tanked some challenger quarterfinals this week to play in their Bundesliga League matches. They talk about all of the biggest results and so much more. It is a fantastic episode. I know all of you listeners are going to enjoy. Of course, before we get to that, I just want to remind all of you, if you missed any of our coverage, of the 2021 City Open. You can catch up on it all on our website, crackrackets.com. We got the chance to ask a few questions of players like Yannick Sinner, Mackie McDonald, Jensen Brooksby, Dennis Kudla, and more if you missed any of them. Again, you can find those interviews on the Cracked Interviews podcast feed. You can find links to all of them on our website, crackrackets.com. Of course, mini break podcast recapping each day's action as I was on site to enjoy it all if you've missed any of those. As always, the place to tune in is crackrackets.com. Of course, the other thing I want to remind all of you listeners before we get to today's episode is that these podcasts would not be possible without the support we get from all of you, from our Cracked Rackets Patreon family, and of course, from our friends over at Turn of Tennis. You all know the deal. It is sincerely the best grip in the business. The only grip that gets tackier when you sweat its performance in hot and humid conditions unmatched. If you would like to join the Turn of Tennis family today, you can contact them by emailing sales at uniquesports.com or calling 800-554-3707. You mentioned we here at Cracked Rackets sent you. They'll hook you up with discounted college pricing, hook you up with some free samples as well, treat you like family, which is all we can ask from our sponsors. Again, this is a personal endorsement. I use Turn of Grip. I sweat more than anyone I know. If it can withstand me, it can withstand anyone out there. Contact sales at uniquesports.com or call 800-554-3707. With that said, let's get to today's conversation, recapping all of the action on the ATP Challenger Tour with Damian Kust and Jakob Babra. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Uh, so hey, welcome to the next episode of the Challenger Two Podcast. Uh, you know this is 
just a, a normal day for us, but it's actually the, the birthday of a very famous tennis player, uh, Marinko Matosevic, 8th of August. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh you know today we're we're celebrating that but obviously we're you know me and Jakub are still going to talk about challengers and what happened in Liberets and Cordenons um you know maybe which one of which one of these two was your was your you know was the one that you watched the most this week was the one that excited you uh for for, for me probably Liberets but we should talk a bit about Mariko Matosevic. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> when, when's the last time you watched him? Because obviously he's been away for for a while now. Well, I can't remember. I mean, the only matches I remember was that one at, at the U.S. Open um, when Michael Jordan was in the stands. Uh, he was playing Federer, and he like like Federer hit a hit a winner, like which was after the point, and the ball hit Makovsevich. It was it was a, a pretty weird occurrence. Like if he if he actually hurt him, then, then, then he would have been defaulted. But I don't know. I I, I can't think of any Makovsevich matches. That means I'm, I must have watched him on the challenges or somewhere in like 2018 or when did he stop playing? Yeah, I mean, I also remember watching him um, during the Australian Open playoffs, which which they do before the Australian Open. I think he played somebody like Maverick Baines or something. He was he was quite bad, and I think that was like 2016. Um, <laughs> he stopped so... in 2018 uh, in general challenger actually. I don't know if I watched any of these. Actually, in his last year, play for challenger, he defeated Daniel Medvedev. Uh, ah. Yeah. First round match at Playford, uh, the, the, the very beginning of the season. Okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, a great guy. Uh, it's great that the, the whole tennis world comes together on the, on, the, on the 8th of August and decides to celebrate him. That's, that's really nice. Uh, as for what you said about Liberets, I mean, if I was a spectator and I know, decided to come just for the weekend, I, I'm not sure that would be my favorite challenger. Oh yeah, I'll be asking for my money back definitely if I was yeah. a paying customer at the, at the Liberates Challenger for the, for the 49 weekend. minutes for one semi, 77 for the other, and today like 58. It's literally yeah. three, three hours for three matches. And I mean, how, how long was the doubles final? Maybe that at least uh, made up, don't. I don't know. Um, um okay yeah they, 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 long, they don't yeah. Tend, they don't tend to be yeah but, but but even like a long doubles match that's you know yeah it's still an hour and rel relatively short or something yeah so i guess we can just start with whatever better as we as we as we as yeah we so i mean i i got a prediction right this week alex molchan <laughs> was the champion beat tomas Machach six love six one in the final it was i I was sort of shocked by how dominant he was this week um, because he he's just like he he plays counterpunching tennis and it's sort of difficult to be a dominant counterpuncher but he he just is um, he he lost what was it, like 19 games throughout 19, the whole tournament yeah. not nine of them to Kamil Majerzak <laughs> so uh, he, he didn't drop more than five games in any of the other uh, um, matches and just it was absolutely amazing. Um, takes him up to number 136 uh, now in the rankings, first challenger title. So yeah, I mean, I'm so happy that he's proving me wrong. I was a big, I was starting to be a bit skeptical about him because he is 23, turning 24 in December. Um, and I was sort of, you know, 
skeptical that he was ever going to make it to to be a consistent challenger player uh since he's you know he's he struggled uh a bit since uh, like, like in the transition from juniors but i'm very happy that he's here um and i wouldn't be surprised if at some point next year he becomes the select number one who's the slovak number one right now go, go. Uh, i think it's gombosh go, it's, it's usually gombosh or Martin yeah and, yeah i mean yeah uh yeah actually we talked about molchan like i don't know 10 episodes ago there was a question uh whether we consider <laughs> lukas klein or alex molchan uh the more you know the the more perspective uh, the, the, the guy who simply has bet- the better upside who's gonna you know explode uh, sooner and i think i i didn't listen to it but i mean i think we both named klein as our peak right yeah and i mean w- w- which one of them has played at the olympics is the other question and it's lukash klein <laughs> okay okay <laughs> Which is that is still so bizarre to me. Which one of them played a great match against, uh, you know, which one of them played a great match against Novak Djokovic? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, which one of them beat Daniel Medvedev in doubles? (laughs) Uh, Okay, okay. Um, Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's definitely Mochan is the better player right now um, and has been since then up to that point. in, in In the 12 months before we basically answered that question, I feel like Klein was the better player, even though they were very close together in the rankings. Mojan has taken has taken a huge step forward, um, and I'm very excited to to see what he can do with it. I mean, I, I think that at some point next year he'll he'll try his hand playing more regularly, ATP uh, qualifying, and I mean we'll see if the counter punching is good enough for for that level. Um, but I'm you know I'm cautiously optimistic that we can have. Uh, like a player that plays the slams regularly, so um, I, I'll, I'll be quite happy with that. Yeah, so far what we've seen of him in, on the main tour has been great. I mean, the what was the Hamburg that he reached like the second round, uh, Belgrade mm-hmm. obviously. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. When comparing him to like Andre Martin, right now they 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 are really you know leagues apart. Like Molchan is just. Mm such a good competitor at the moment he's great physically too i mean i don't know i, I really think he could make it work although obviously you know the, the, the style has some limitations but i don't know i was i was very surprised that mahach at, at, at his whole behavior today because he was like done after three games and it, it, <laughs> molson didn't even do anything that spectacular like i don't know pull off some defensive shots like mahaj was just done he just didn't want to be there anymore he started obviously it was a good idea to start mixing things up but i mean he he didn't do it the right way like he the the, the drop shot attempts or moon bowling it was just all crazy and he clearly didn't you know, he didn't believe that he was gonna win this much I, I don't blame him that yeah. much because uh, Molson was obviously a beast uh, this week. I'm I'm not that uh, bummed about my pick for the winner because you know Mike Shack took nine games of Molchan. That's like almost half the the number that yeah. the other uh, <laughs> the, the, the the whole number. So you know the the other four players took ten games of Molchan. So. I don't think it was a bad pick, although I'm obviously a little bit frustrated that you're getting close to me now. It's just five four, so that that safety yeah. pin that I had is is off, and now I'm gonna have to you know, do it the right way and and focus. Hopefully, um, it probably means that all the guys I, I'm gonna pick are gonna lose first round. 
Uh, but yeah, Mahach also had a great week, and I was I was just really disappointed by what he showed in the finals. Or mm. I don't know, just just went away too easily. I I, I totally understand a, a player losing to Molchan at the moment. Uh, I wouldn't win a point against him, but I mean I don't know. You just shouldn't give up this early. I mean, the, 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 there's yeah. still things to do. It's still a tennis court. It's still a match. I don't know. It, that that was a bit of a bummer for me. Uh, Gerard Metzer was not this week. That that was quite shocking, honestly. But it, it's yeah. really night and day between what we what we saw of him like I don't know a month ago. But I guess I I always kind of underestimated him, honestly. But just going through his records right now, I mean, seven challenger titles. I I definitely did not remember him winning this much. Also, not not only on on clay. Which was uh, which was pretty surprising to me. Although both came on hard at the very same venue in Mexico uh, at Morelos, maybe that maybe that was a bit of a <laughs> hardcore clay court. I don't know. I you know one of the one of these finals was against Victor Estrella Burgos. So I guess I guess it would make sense. But I definitely didn't expect Meltzer to to go this far this week. Yeah, I mean, I I just have this one memory of of Gerald Meltzer uh, losing like six love six one to Lukas Rosso in Bratislava in like like forty minutes, <laughs> which obviously I mean indoor hard is not something that that Meltzer is very good at. Um, but you know, on on clay he is a factor. Uh, he hasn't been for a while, and it's very exciting exciting to see him back. Obviously, beat Andre Martin, which I was quite surprised with, then beat Evan Furness before losing to to Mahach. So that that's a solid run. For for Meltzer and I'm and I'm intrigued to see what he's going to do next week. Yeah, good memory. Six six zero six one Bratislava two thousand thirteen. Yeah. yeah, I can't find the minutes, but I mean, I, I could. But very I very quick match. Yeah, I guess it's I guess it's not the most important thing in the world to to find <laughs> the minutes now. Uh, we we talked about a very peculiar qualifying draw last week that featured Daniel Siakov playing David Vega Hernandez in the in the final round. I mean, I was I was quite surprised to see uh, Daniel Siakov win five games of Milojevic in the in the first set, but then he kind of resorted to what we saw against Baez two months ago. I guess there's still not that not that much to be excited there. Uh, not that much to be excited about there. And yeah. I guess we should also mention Alexander Richard. That was quite a shock as well. Obviously, not, not that he can play on clay since you know he's he's only American you know, since like few, like a few years, few years. I mean, he was he used to represent Switzerland. Uh, so so obviously clay is something he's very familiar with. But uh, you know, the, the obviously a huge win over Lehechka. That that was something I'm, I'm pretty sure we never really, never really suspected. And it's great to see this guy who actually played these few Italian challengers and looked quite fine. But I didn't know he had such weapons. Like when he, when he believed in himself uh, this week, it was it was really good. And and the the matches just seemed on his racket. Like the the wins over Lehechka or Gojo, they 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 were. Or uh, they were just, you know, the, whether he whether he hits or misses, that's that that's how the point was decided. And I guess that's not a not a bad place to to be against players of this class. Yeah, I mean, to, to just quickly going back to to Vega Hernandez, who also ended up playing the main draw due to the unfortunate car crash of of Yuji Vesely, which forced him to pull out. 
Um, but yeah, they got Hernandez lost to Jaziri uh, 6-1-6-2, who actually ended up having a, a very nice week for himself, even though it ended quite poorly. But, you know, after that, when he he beat Horansky and then Polmans, um, and I mean, got, got really destroyed by, by Molchan. I watched the highlights of that, and it just seemed like he... He had absolutely. I think he won like maybe two or three points in the highlights, <laughs> so it was it was quite tough to watch for him. But 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 it's nice to see Jaziri have this sort of run after like a really struggle of a year that he's had on the Challenger Tour here. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Jaziri has been a painful watch in recent times, but he he's a fun guy. You know, the the, the variety that he brings is great. So hopefully that's gonna lead to some more good results of obviously the semis. I mean, he he lasted just nine minutes less than Thomas Mahach, so you know that's yeah. <laughs> that's that, that, that's not that bad. I mean, you know, Mahach is is after all a, a player that won a challenger this week, uh, this year. Uh, okay, do we have anything else from Liberets? I do not have anything else from Liberets. No, me neither. So probably, so you can probably go to Cordenons then, where we had. Uh, a very Argentinian heavy event. Uh, yeah. Even if some guys disappointed, like you know, who won Manuel Serendolo, but I mean, they they still aren't going to be, you know, exactly exactly disappointed with this because Echeverri, Francisco Serendolo, and Andrea Colarini all made the semis, uh, which was pretty crazy. Obviously, Echeverri still winning matches is. I don't know how he does that, but I mean, it's been 17 wins in, in the last month. And yeah, when I saw him play Olivo uh, for like three hours, 31 minutes, I believe, I, I never suspected that, that he was going to reach the finals. I think the organizers actually kind of kind of screwed him up because I, I can't remember. The, the match against Olivo was during the day, but the, 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 the rest of his games were all, you know, last match of the day, the evening. Uh, and then the finals were at 1 p.m. I know, I mean, obviously preferential treatment is not what we should go for, and I imagine they actually set the hour for the final like long before. But I mean, I, you know, he he, he didn't really he didn't really have a chance in that final. I don't know if six hours or five hours would have changed much, but definitely didn't help his case because the, the whole week he's been. Kind of the, the the Walking Dead and somehow still progressing, which is super impressive, definitely from especially from a mental standpoint. Yeah, I mean the the, the final was quite I mean one sided as as we said for for Serundolo. Um, yeah, I mean it's, it's it's his fourth title up to number one hundred and eleven in the rankings, and as you as you said, I mean Echeverri just kind of ran out of gas really not surprising i don't i'm not expecting to do much next week either just with how much tennis he's played um it'll be pretty crazy but i mean it's it's great to see to see him uh do this well uh my pick in coordinates was varias who lost to Echeverri in the quarterfinals which i mean i'm i'm okay with he, he beat tabilo um which he should have i mean tabilo was in america maybe like <laughs> less yeah. than 24 hours <laughs> Uh, before the match, then he beat Stenia Kolash in a great match, 6 3, 6 7, 7 6, and lost to Echeverri 5 7 in the third. So, happens. Um, we should probably also mention Gilles Simon, who was here, lost first round to Moroni, who, who proved to be a, a tough draw, like you said. That was a very, very cool match. 
12 match losing streak now for Gilles Simon. So I, I expect that he'll break it. Uh, yeah, I also next week because, because of the draw that he has. That's what I wanted to uh, say. Yeah. We're, we're going to get to but, that, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, we will. Travaglia uh, was yeah, I mean, a bit of a, a disappointment yeah, for uh, me. Also, quite, yeah. yeah especially really, really poor loss to Colarini. Yeah, and in the second round, I mean, he wasn't great, but he, I, I never really felt like Tirante had the control over the match. And mm. I expected that Colarini, the, the quarters against Colarini are going to be easier. And well, that's not what happened. That, that, that lasted about an hour as well. Uh, and actually, Stefano Travaglia played the Bundesliga today and defeated Pedro yeah. Martinez. <laughs> I'm not sure what to think about that. Uh, I mean, lots of people, obviously, on, on, on Twitter have told me that it's a fix. I, I don't know. You know, we don't have any concrete evidence. Uh, might have been just disinterested or something. But I mean, it, it feels very weird that a player would would tank a challenger quarterfinal to play one match in the Bundesliga. I mean, they pay something, but I, they can't be paying this well. Like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's 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 from what I've heard, even on the lower levels of the Bundesliga, it's pretty good money. Um, like, like the, the, there's guys who've been retired for years. Like, for example, I know like like, like Pavel Cervenak in Slovakia, after he basically stopped playing professionally, he still played the Bundesliga for like the next three or four years. And he, he was like making okay money from it. Um, but to tank a quarterfinal at, at, at a challenger in your home country to go play Bundesliga, I would be very surprised if, if, if that's what happened. But I mean, he played so poorly, I assume that he must have been injured or ill. And to go and beat Pedro Martinez uh, in, a, in, a, in a couple of days in the same week, uh, it, it doesn't look good. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's... even the crowd actually got behind Colarini, which was funny. Uh, you know, in in, in Cordenas, obviously, then they started cheering for Travaglia. They, he's an Italian, but I mean, the, the lack mm -hmm. of interest and the lack of commitment that he showed in this match was obviously there can there could be a billion of reasons. Uh, one of them is is selling a match, but we can't really assume that this this was the case. Although it it, it also can't be excluded in, a, in 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 any way, Travaglia didn't really seem bothered by by losing. Yeah. Like, and and I mean the the fact that he went to to Martinez to Bundesliga and defeated someone like Martinez. I think the match lasted like two hours, so it it, it probably wasn't a physical issue against Colarini. Uh, but Colarini went on to to reach the semis and then lost to to Francisco Terundolo, which was finally like the guy has been maybe not dreadful but i mean getting very mixed results since the since the buenos aires final so i'm, yeah. I'm very happy to see him find the confidence because in his case it really seems like this is just mental even today when he was trying to finish uh, the, the match against Echeverri serving uh, at 5-2 in the second i mean some of the his his strokes just just weren't executed right to the extent like you know to the extent that you just see that he got stiff and mm. you know in, in his case it's been happening a lot and hopefully uh, a week like that is gonna give him some of this confidence that he lost he lost back he's like 111th tomorrow so, so super close to the top 100 I believe it's like 50 points 
actually Kyle Edmund uh, f- will fall out, I think, of the, of the top 100, which is pretty funny because he hasn't played in like years <laughs> at this point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so should we go to upset of the week? Uh, sure. Yeah, so my, my upset of the week, we already talked about it, Andrea Colarini over Stefano Travaglia. Um, just like the the manner in 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 which the the match was lost by Travaglia, just sort of quite embarrassing, very surprising. Um, yeah, what was yours? Uh, yeah, I went for Richard Lehechka. Mm, I don't know, Colarini mm. just it, it didn't. I didn't feel that certain that Travaglia was gonna win. Obviously, the extent makes it absolutely yeah. unbelievable. And Richard, in, 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 in the case of Richard Lehechka, it's more about the results. When I checked the betting odds, it was actually a sort of a freeway tie between the, these two and also Griekspor losing to Borna Gordo. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, because it was Griekspor's first match back after the injury that he had against Per in Umag or whatever it was, Kstad maybe, Kstad, uh, then I wasn't really, you know, that shocked by it because you mm. know, it's it's a first match after the injury and we don't really know the physical state of his uh, that, that, that Talon is in so uh, yeah but I went with Richard Lehechka and much of the week I think there were two very very solid contenders I'm curious what you went for uh, I don't think I went for either of the contenders because okay. I went a bit off the board I went for a straight set match uh, Gianmarco Moroni defeating Gilles Simon 7664. The first set itself lasted, over, like, I think it was like 92 minutes, uh, <laughs> something crazy like that. Super long rallies, um, but although, although they, they weren't all defensive, the, the guys that tried to get creative, tried to, you know, uh, find the angles uh, and attack. Uh, and the second set was, was going quite steadily. It was, it was 4 3 Simon, um, and the break came a bit out of, out of nowhere for, for Moroni. Uh, because I mean, Simon's service games uh, were, I, th- I think, if I remember correctly, they they, they, they seem to be the more straightforward, whereas the Moroni were the more contested. Um, so yeah, seven six six four, really really impressive match from from Moroni, and I think obviously Joe Simon, as we said, likely to snap his losing streak, and I'm interested to what what he, what he can do after that because. I feel like we shouldn't write him off at challenger level if he wants to, if he wants to play the challenger uh, circuit more regularly. I'm not impressed with Simon actually. Like I, I, I am writing him off. I'm sorry. I believe this is really he's really nearing the end now. Uh, but maybe this week is gonna is gonna change something. You know, just getting a win on the board and then. I can't remember who he plays in the second round, but I'm going to check in a, in a sec when we talk about San Marino. <laughs> but anyhow, I went with Varias uh, Kolaj because it was, you know, between this and Echeverri Olivo, it was simply the match that I had the chance to watch for a longer period of time. Uh, if I remember correctly, I started watching from like the second hour, which usually in a tennis match means that you missed a lot. In this match, you actually haven't hadn't really missed uh, a thing, because the the, the the big drama was definitely packed in the in the latter stages of the game. So, uh, so you know, just just for entertainment, uh, it was it was just pretty crazy to see these two guys go at each other, and they're both so fierce when they when they're competing. Like, you you just know that they're gonna 
stick around. They're gonna, you know, when Collar was up a match point, it never really felt like okay, this is the end. Sometimes when a player goes goes up a match point, you're like, okay, this match is gonna be over. It would this match suddenly from both guys was it's not it's not over until someone actually converts because because they're they're both so good at at doing this. Uh, yeah, and I guess we're gonna go to. Um, the, the, go to next week then we have three very exciting events San Marino for the first time since 2014 uh, Merbus I guess that's how the, it's read and then Prague again this time it's it's a Challenger 50 uh, where do you want to start? Let, let's start with, with San Marino uh, it's a 90 the biggest event uh, this week coming up top seat there Marco Cecchinato um, Who's playing his first challenger of the year, I believe. Um, he's he's had he's had an okay uh year. I mean, reached the final in Parma, which is obviously a a, a pretty good uh, I mean, not a pretty good, a really good result for, for him at this point. Uh, aside of that, he's been sort of middling, but you know, back in I was gonna say back in Italy, well, adjacent to Italy, <laughs> uh, in, in San Marino, uh, it, sh- it should be a good. Uh, tournament for him opens against Paolo Lorenzi, who, with all due respect, bit of a walking by at this point <laughs> um, in, in these tournaments, uh, has lost, uh, whew, hasn't won since April, Paolo Lorenzi. Not good. Um, and then, yeah, he, he, he's, in, he's in that um, quarter, which is <laughs> entirely made up of Italians, um, where we have Cecchinato, Lorenzi, Brancaccio, Nardi, Marcora, Pellegrino, Gallo, and a qualifier. Um, and then we have only two other Italians who are in the next uh, quarter, which are Caruso and Moroni in the whole draw. So there's a guaranteed <laughs> quarterfinalist from Italy, which is which is quite fun. And, um, and if, if a qualifier from Italy uh, you know, gets through, there's actually in, in four final rounds of qualifying tomorrow in, uh, in in three of them there are italians Oclepo, forti and uh, matza uh you know the guy and if if there if it's gonna be an italian qualifier then we're gonna already know that one semi-finalist will be italian that's absolutely <laughs> crazy i mean there are these challenger events in the states sometimes when there's like you know 50 mm-hmm. of players are americans but i've never seen it so you know, in, in one single quarter, I mean, it, it, it's crazy. When yeah. I looked at the draw, I, I saw it and I was like, okay, so it's going to be just full, full of Italians. Okay, well, I guess that makes sense. And then I saw the next quarter, like, okay, less Italians and no one in the second half. This is really crazy <laughs> stuff when you like, you know, look at the probability of this. And I don't know, I guess, I guess the Italians are going to... Uh, you know that they're just certain that they were they are going to go to the semis, but I guess some of them would definitely like to be uh, Gaio or, or Cecchinato would definitely like to be in in some different spots. Well, maybe for Cecchinato it's actually pretty nice, but for Gaio, yeah, <laughs> for Gaio it's not. Yeah, tough on him. Yeah, I mean the, the rest of the quarter, as we said, um, like they, they, uh, aside of Gaio, I don't think anybody is really a threat there. From the Ita- from the other Italians, I mean, Luca Nardi is obviously intriguing because he's so young. Uh, he's only eighteen, and Brancacci has had some good results, but Marco Rappellino uh, struggling. Uh, in the next quarter, as we said, two Italians, Caruso and Moroni. Moroni opens against Echeverri, which is a match that I'm very 
intrigued by. I'm, I'm quite curious to see if Echeverri can sort of recover and, and bring it for this tournament or if he's just going to be too tired. <laughs> to, I'd bet to on Moroni, honestly. Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, we also have uh, Holger Rune uh, in this one, opening against uh, Kanina. So should be should be an interesting, interesting quarter this as well. Next one, we have Sebastian Baez playing for the first time since he retired from, I believe it was Hamburg. Yeah, he didn't come out on the court. Uh, yeah. He withdrew before the match against Basilashvili, yes, second round. Uh, yeah, actually, so Echeverry oh, withdrew. Oh. Uh, and it's going to be Jaziri in front, uh, instead of him. No, not surprised because it was really getting... You know, yeah, <laughs> too much. I mean, I, I understand that some wants to, you know, get <laughs> what, what, what's the saying like, you know, make the make make hay while the sun shines or something like that. Yeah. But I mean, uh, it's too much. It's really too much if he yeah. wants to go to New York and have a, a shot at qualifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So yes. Yeah, so so, so Baez, uh opens against Jay Clark, who um. Well, well, we'll see what he does. Uh. But Clay isn't his best surface uh but yeah bias should be intriguing to see what sort of in what, what sort of he shows up in um because obviously we've seen him be just so good on the challenger level this year to where he should be considered one of the favorites if he's fit um yeah the the, the other seed in this section is delian so uh it's it's not the hardest quarter for him i don't think and then we have Gilles simon Opening against um, <laughs> a a wildcard from San Marino, uh, Marco De Rossi, who is the world number one thousand four hundred and sixty. So that's why we believe that he will finally snap <laughs> that losing streak. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, back in two thousand twelve, he got a wild card to uh, to the qualifying draw uh, of this challenger because it was it was a challenger until until two thousand four, two thousand fourteen. Uh, it was actually an ATP event in, event in the 90s, and oh, wow. he was 15 back then uh, when he <laughs> when he received that, and he actually won a match. And I'm I'm trying to find out now uh, who did he beat? Enrico Becuzzi. Oh, that sounds more like a an Italian opera singer or something like that. But then he was double bageled by Cecchinato. Oh, <laughs> how, how it all ties up. And actually, in the wow. draw. There was uh, a player who, who you mentioned on the spot, Pavel Czerwenak. <laughs> uh, he finished the second round and lost to Klijan. Uh, I don't oh, know well. if, that, if that matters in any way, but I mean, it's, it's a fun story. Anyhow, I was, I was yeah. really surprised that the guy, I mean, I wasn't surprised that he received the wild card. I'm actually very happy to see this because I was, I was very curious. And when I checked like 2014 or 2013, uh, you know, guys from San Marino weren't really getting getting any like it was it was just random italians or even ran, random players so i mean you know, i'm happy to see someone from from a nation we don't necessarily think of when we when we think of tennis yeah and i mean very fair, how, how, how many how many how many random players from san marino are there i have no idea uh, honestly yeah. he might be the only the only ranked one i mean i think i think yeah. there's uh, they they represent they, they have a team in davis cup so there has to be someone else, but I don't know if they're ranked. <laughs> yeah, uh, unlikely. I think that they're ranked. Um, but yeah, we also have Zdeni Kolaj in this section. But uh, Simon, if he beats Derossi, which he should, plays uh, Janvier, 
and then possibly collage or rola or that could be qualifier or lucky loser now i think with which with that pulled out because that's just his original spot Ah, okay, sorry. Uh, Jaziri was an alternate already. Okay, uh, I screwed up. Then, uh, no, it's not going to be Jaziri instead of Echeverry. It's going to be someone else. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah, All it's right. just going to be a lucky loser. I, you know, I saw a withdrawal from Echeverry in the in the PDF file and there was you know, Jaziri alternate, but I, yeah. It's just ah, going to yeah. be a lucky okay. loser. Uh, or a qualifier, obviously. Uh, so it actually yeah. decreases... Or it or does it decrease or does it increase the chances that the first quarter is going to be built in entirely of Italians? Because you know now there are five spots, but if one of them loses, then they he can get as a lucky loser. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, I, it's, it's I a tough question. Think, I think it decreases the odds. I'm afraid. <laughs> But. I really, I never wanted anything more in my life, really. Like, uh, I, I really want to see that quarter. <laughs> don't you? I mean, it, it, yeah, it's going to be something. I don't know if I would say that I've never wanted anything else more in my life. But, but yeah, it would be pretty cool to, to, have, to have this quarter of, of all yeah. Italians. I really to want have, this. You know, the, the, the Wikipedia draw having the Italian flag already through to the semifinals before any main draw matches that'll be pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, screenshot that and you uh, know save it for the <laughs> for the for the kids, for the grandkids and all. Uh I mean it it, it, it never happens. I mean other than obviously national championships. Yeah. I don't know. I uh, guess I guess we I guess we talked about uh San Marino quite a bit here. Maybe we should maybe we should try to go for the pigs then. I went with Sebastian Baez. I like his draw. As you mentioned, I mean, Clark actually won a challenger on clay like three years ago, which is very crazy to me. And he has a very good... I feel like, good... feel like a, bit, a bit of a fluke, surely, no? Because... I guess, but, you, you know, when you look at all, you know, the, the, his win-loss records across all levels, I think he has the best one on clay, actually. I mean, it's, it's, oh, sure, okay. it's surely skewed my, by... My bad for, for slandering Jake Clark's clay level. I believe podcast. it has to <laughs> be skewed by, you know, by, by ITF tournaments yeah it is i mean 2016 2017 he was just winning a ton of matches uh on on clay but it was only only futures so i mean i would i'm i'm not really treating him as someone who's any sort of danger to bias if he's healthy obviously uh then but again alvish is kind of tough i guess but i mean uh, i don't know like his draw Obviously, very enjoy watching him play since we've had so many chances to do, to do so this year uh, on the Challenger Tour. I mean, he's he he's been a beast, and I think he's a pretty reliable guy. Like he he, he rarely loses when he when he's expected to you know to thrive to win. Um, yeah, Baez is somebody that I considered for quite a while, but just you know. Um, the, the fact that I'm not sure if he's fully fit or not sort of scared me off of it. And I went for another young, talented player in this draw who is Holger Runa. Um, I, I, I don't think that with, with Echeverri out, I don't think that his draw within a section is super difficult. Outside of Cecchinata and Gallo, I don't think the, the whole half is really that difficult. Uh, he's incredibly talented, um, very good on clay. So, um, yeah, Holger Runa is who I'm going for. Yeah, 
uh, I sort bias was sort of an insta pick for me. I don't know why. It was that it was that you know appealing to me. But Rune was definitely someone I I glanced at as well. Uh, especially with Echeverry now out, but I guess I, I wasn't really expecting Echeverry to reach the quarters anyway. Mm. I mean, you just need to rest at some point. Yeah, I know so, some players don't like, you know, Concaro Oliveira or someone, but I mean, he he loses first rounds, so he can he can yes, afford. He, he, he has plenty of of rest in between the first round losses. Yeah, but what pair this year or any any year actually? I mean, Per Per just plays every other week as well. Yeah. Uh, okay, so that's our picks for, for San Marino. And then we have Merbush, which is an 80. I I'm, I would like to start with something weird. And I'm sorry if I sound like a broken record, but Petros Tsitsipas getting qualifying wildcards for challengers is just sick to me in a country. Like, if it was the San Marino Open, I would understand it. Like, okay, uh, but in Germany... When you have so many talented youngsters, I mean, I Rosenkrantz got a wild card, okay, Molecker got a wild card, Marvin Meller got one for the for the qualies, but I mean, Reberg is one of the best juniors in the world, for example, and he's not playing this event. I don't know if he's mm-hmm. he's playing any ITF or something, but I mean, giving a wild card to Petros Tsitsipas just because of the name, I I, I really don't know what they're trying to achieve with that. Like, what, I, I mean, I, I I assume it has to be something with. With, with, with just a tournament director. He's playing doubles with somebody called Konstantin Schmitz, who I've never heard of, to be honest. He's, Me neither. Um, yeah, 766 in the singles, 538 in doubles. Maybe tournament director is Konstantin Schmitz's dad <laughs> or something and just promised him a, a singles wildcard along with the doubles one with his son. Um, but that's just literally just theorizing. I have no idea. That's I have no sort idea of what, what anybody happened. would give him a wildcard. <laughs> You know what? That's uh, sort of what happened in in uh, in Poznan because uh, Poznan had used to have this deal with the Sibiu Challenger, and that's why Cornea play, played it a lot. So this mm-hmm. year Cornea didn't play singles. There wasn't a, a Romanian wildcard, but he got a wildcard to doubles. And I, you know, I, I'm not sure. I didn't really know who to ask, but it's possible that they actually offered a wildcard to uh, Cornea, and then. You know, just told him bring who you want, and he brought Petros yeah. Tsitsipas. But in this <laughs> in this case, it could have been the same with Schmitz in the doubles. But the the the, the qualifying wildcard for singles doesn't doesn't make sense at all. Then, so I, I don't know. I mean, Petros is actually a very good doubles player. I I I think. I mean, you even if your partner is Stefanos <laughs> Tsitsipas, you don't just beat Kravitz Teko, like. I mean, it's it's yeah, impossible. I, mean... I, I I think I think he's talented, and I think he should continue that path of specializing in doubles. <laughs> that that's my idea. I mean, he's actually in good form. Uh, won the last two futures events. He uh, he entered in doubles, obviously not in singles. He won one yeah, with Cornea okay. and one with uh, Martin Spozush. Ah, yeah, the the Latvian yeah. guy. Yeah, sure. Yeah, he actually beat two Slovak guys who I used to, who were my contemporaries in the semifinals. Oh. I completely missed that, so that's pretty fun. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Petros Tsitsipas, I feel like his ranking is obviously inflated by the fact that he plays doubles with, with Stefanos on, on the main tour sometimes, and sometimes they win a match. And that's, you know, that, that's like a lot of points. like two this year, I think, but... 
But yeah, yeah, but I mean, if 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 you look at just the pure points that they got, mm -hmm. they, they 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 got ninety because they want to match in Rotterdam, and then ninety because they want to match in Monte Carlo, and that's you yeah. know that that's a lot of points for for somebody with no ranking. So that sort of keeps him inflated in the top three hundred. Um, but you know, he's only he's still young. Petrosispas, maybe he'll turn out to be <laughs> a world beater, unlikely. Um, but yeah, let's talk about this draw. We, we have with Daniel Altmaier as the top seed, number 120. Daniel Altmaier is actually skipping the US Open. He's staying in Europe during it, playing challengers, which is, I think, an interesting move for him. Um, but, you know, he, he's somebody that, that, that likes clay a lot. Probably wants to build up his ranking to a point where he doesn't have to enter slams through qualifying. So, so maybe that's why, that's why he's targeting it this way. Uh, he opens against Tabilo, then he has Kopshiva uh, in the second round, Barrios Vera, Nagal, Kuhn are the other guys in this section. Um, somebody else that's also in this draw is Alex Molchan, uh, <laughs> re recent winner, as we said, uh, opens against Shintaro Mochizuki, uh, which should be, I mean, it should, he, he, he is coming off of a, a, a final in a 25 in Poland that he yeah. wants to be has he played two matches today so I'm not sure how you know nope. how fit yeah. he's, gonna so, be, he's gonna be but we'll we'll see he, he has Klein in the second round potentially and then potentially Botik van de Zanschul in the quarters um and then we have Daniel Jum Damir Jumhur sorry <laughs> uh playing Ruben Bemelmans Juan Manuel Serondolo that's that's in his section there uh Colarini maybe he's going to do something um, yeah, what, what do you make of this draw? Yeah, uh, I mean, the, there are a lot of seeds whom I'm not really expecting to do well. Like, Cerdolo has been awful, who I'm obviously mm. not Francisco. Yeah. Junghur, he has a he has a good starting draw, but I don't know. I mean, I'm just really not expecting that much from him at the moment. Sumit Nagal has been in awful form. I don't know, Ote yeah. has kind of disappeared too. I'm very curious what Kopshiva will do because you know after that Stad final uh, semi semi yeah uh, after yeah. Stad semi he uh, basically had that one match against Popko which he lost but Popko was playing very well that week so uh, there's some noise I don't know if uh, oh, sorry I think it's like a car alarm from the outside ah, okay then we're gonna we're gonna have to yeah. leave with that. Uh, if, if it's a color, I'm not sure. Uh, Mochizuki, yeah, I'm yeah. very curious for how that match looks. Uh, I mean, if Molchan plays like this week, I don't know if there's anyone stopping him. Maybe like, someone like Van der Zandschulp. But I mean, uh, he's been playing week, uh, week in, week out. And like, it's like fifth one in a row. And although he's not exactly making, well, he made one final in Amersfoort. I mean, this has still been plenty of time on the court, and it's both a good and a bad thing. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I actually had someone, you know, as my winner pick, I had someone else, <laughs> but I mean, I, I think I'm gonna do a late, a very late change, and and still go with Molchan. Although my, Ooh. I'm gonna say that my, uh, you know, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna be admit what my previous peak was, and my previous peak was actually from the qualifying draw, and it was Kicker. Nicolas Kicker, exactly. Yeah. Yes, I think you know we were very surprised that he lost 
was it Zapieri or one of the yeah Italian to, 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 to Pieri that he lost to us yeah. last week yeah uh, so we we kind of blamed it on exhaustion on on simply being tired physically so I'm hoping that that you know that 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 kicker is gonna be back to this form that saw him win like what was it 38 matches in 40 or something and if if he does that i mean the quality what, what are the quality spots i should have looked at this i mean kopshiva kicker okay that yeah would be, that would be good <laughs> that would be, a that would be good yeah the other ones yeah, are, I mean, are actually quite easy so quite winnable yeah there, there, there's kun hasa and fikovic um, for the potential qualifiers, and there, there's yeah, Kiker, um, Duy Aydukovic, Jesper De Jong, um, Nick Hart is, is somebody that's quite interesting to me. He's he's Dominican, 20 years old, 36 and nine so far this year. So I'm I'm interested in him as somebody that can come into the Challenger Tour and mix it up. Um, but yeah, so, so far only only in qualifying he plays Nerman Fatic in the in the final round. I, I was very tempted to go for Alex Molchan here, um, although he hasn't always been the. I mean, maybe, maybe I'm remembering wrong, but maybe like he, I feel like he hasn't always backed up the the big result right next, or like, like like right at the next tournament. So far this year, obviously he's he's had some great results with you know um, last week in, in Brostyov and in, in Bel, Belgrade, um, but I'm just like I can't see him doing this for two weeks on the trot. I'm going for Daniel Altmaier, who has had an absolutely incredible uh, July. With you know, started with started with winning Braunschweig, then semis in Umag, semis in Kitzbühel, and I feel like he's really committed uh, to these three weeks to try and push him to, to to make a push for the top 100 to avoid Australian Open qualifying. Um, he's he's sacrificing the U.S. Open for it, so I feel like he's pretty serious about it, and his best opportunity is on clay. Uh, so I feel like these weeks upcoming are pretty pretty key for him. So I'm going out my head here. Cool. He's been in stunning form, really. I don't know. I just you know, I usually when I just skip through the top seeds. But I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a very respectable pick. Yeah. I think Molchan, Molchan, Altmaier, and Kicker are probably the the top three contenders we I mm. see here. Uh, although obviously Kikar has to has to win a bit, you know, two two more matches yeah, than anyone else. Got to qualify first. <laughs> hopefully not not for long because he well, hopefully I mean he's a fixer. I shouldn't be I shouldn't maybe I shouldn't <laughs> be saying that, but I mean he he paid the price. If he's gonna be clean from now on, then I'm I'm ready to shake his hand and say. It's nice to have you back because I I really didn't you know it, it, it sometimes happens that you know a player is there on the main tour or or at Challengers wherever and you just never really you know care for the guy just you know he's there and then yeah. it's only once he is away or once he comes back that you start to see wow I I really miss that I mean I I didn't even realize how good this guy is and that that's definitely been the case exactly, with Kicker yeah. for me. I really didn't didn't care about the guy before he, uh, yeah, before he got suspended. Uh, and yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's it's sort of like this with 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 Gerald Belzer, who I'm like really interested okay. in now. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, I I feel, I feel like you know I I tend to cheer for these comeback players, even though. Hey, unfortunately, we had some technical issues, uh, and our talk about Prague wasn't recorded. As you've heard, uh, Jakub picked uh, Daniel Altmaier. Uh, for the 
uh, for Merbush and I picked Alex Molchan and I'm just gonna quickly take you through Prague because uh, you know it, it wouldn't really make sense for me to bother him to uh, you know to come to talk about Prague and we you know we need to release the episode soon so uh, I'm just gonna talk about Prague for you and I'm, I'm obviously going to mention his pick as well uh, since since we talked about it and he he already told me what it was uh, the, the event in Prague will be a challenger 50 so again the lower category the field is somewhat depleted so you know maybe some of the players that have been struggling like Lorenzo Giustino or Adrian Menendez Maceiras maybe that's just exactly what they need even Nikola Milojevic who uh, was extremely solid at the beginning of the year but now dropped his dropped off his form uh, maybe that's what they need, you know, maybe that's how they're gonna uh, grab uh, a couple of good wins and then just you know, get, get back to what we know they can do. But we didn't really count on it. There's a few very good first round matchups like uh, Jonas Foretek, Nicolas Jari, and Jari is actually uh, Jakub's pick for the title. Um, it is a pick I respect, I definitely glanced at him as well. Uh, what he showed in Salzburg or Tampere was good enough that we know that he can still do well on clay. I mean, he won Geneva one year, so... Uh, and the other first round match that I really wanted to pick up, pick out is Skatov Dalibor's China. We mentioned comeback players a minute or two ago for you. And the other favorite storyline of mine is definitely youngsters going at each other. And Skatovstina, we're still, you know, kind of trying to establish, to judge their potential. So that's, that's going to be a very interesting match for me. Um, yes, and we've got uh, Popko as the second seed, which is going to be very interesting because he was so good in Poznań and then lost to Mike Shack at, at Liberec. But as we, as we, as we talked about, uh, I mean, Mike Shack was probably the only rival that Molchan had throughout the week, so I've, I, I'm I'm excited to see what Popko can do of it. But I still went for someone from Popko's quarter, and I went with Gerald Meltzer. I think the level that he showed in Liberec is good enough to win this event, even though obviously you know it's not that the field is weak; it's quite strong, but it's you know still still has worse depth than 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 a, than a challenger 80 90 or whatever right and i think Meltzer, if he plays like last week he's definitely good enough to win it uh you know he starts against the qualifier then ricardo bonadio or misha zverev which is i mean um the, the, they really haven't been in good form zverev obviously isn't that good on clay so i i, I think this could be a chance really I mean, a qualifier could be hard though because there's Adrian Andreev playing Facundo Diaz Acosta, for example. Both of these guys are very dangerous. Uh, Franco Agamenone has already won 60 matches at the ITF level this year, which is absolutely crazy. Uh, it could be Emilio Nava as well or Carlos Gomez Herrera, the, the guy who played with doubles with Novak Djokovic in, in Mallorca. So the, the qualifier spots are pretty hard, so Meltzer is going to have to be on top of his game from the get-go. But I don't know, just looking at the draw, this was this was the name that stood out to me. Uh, the level he showed in Liberec would be, in my opinion, enough to even take the title here. But we're going to see if you know that early in his comeback he's going to be able to bring it consistently. Uh, and I guess that's where we're going to finish on. Sorry that I, that I had to... Uh, that I had to take you through Prague by myself 
hopefully next week we're gonna you know avoid technical difficulties uh yeah and see you on you know, see you next sunday monday or wherever you're listening to this uh whenever you're listening to this when we're gonna talk about merpush san marino and prague Hope all of you enjoyed another ATP Challenger-centric edition of the Great Shot Podcast. As always, a huge thank you to Damien and Jakob. No two people cover the action closer, happening day in, day out, week in, week out on the Challenger Tour. So as always, we appreciate their contributions to the show. Of course, you can read all of Damien's work on our website, CrackRackets.com. He's written about so many of the Challenger superstars we've seen here throughout the 2021 season. And of course, be on the lookout for more episodes every Monday. Be on the lookout for more of Damien on some upcoming mini break podcasts as well. Of course, with that mini break podcast in mind, little bit different this week. I'm headed to Kalamazoo to cover the USTA uh, Boys 16s and 18s National Championships. Of course, the winner of those events, the 16 singles and doubles winners, wild cards into the US Open Junior event, the 18s winners, wild cards into the main draw of the Grand Slam event. Uh, going to get the chance to chat with a ton of college coaches on site. Going to be doing that Tuesday, probably Wednesday as well. I am well aware we've got a Masters event happening in Canada. Going to try and catch up on all of that action. I apologize for the lack of previews. Don't worry. Trying to work in as many different podcasts as I can to keep you, all of you listeners, guests, I should say, up to date on all of the action. I will be watching all of that. We will have mini breaks for you, recapping all of the day in, day out grind. So be on the lookout for all of that content. Look, it's overtime. Here at Crack Rackets, home stretch of the summer, a lot of fun events. We're excited to be on a gr- on the grounds for a bunch of them as well. We don't want any of you listeners to miss out on any of the action. We want to keep you the most up to date, well informed fans in the business. So, of course, to follow all of our content, just head on over to the website crackrackets.com. You need the more immediate updates: Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We are at Crack Rackets. You want to message me directly? I am at Great Shot Pod. Of course, like, rate, subscribe, review to this podcast, the Mini Break Cracked Interviews podcast, and all of our shows. Speaking of which, a shout out. Two super producers, Max Flickner and Daniel Westoff, for the f*** of an any job they do day in, day out, making all of our content possible. A huge thank you to our friends over at Turna Tennis as well. Remember, contact sales at uniquesports.com or call 800-554-3707. With all that said, for host Damien Kust, Jakob Bobro, our super producers, Flickner and Westoff, our friends over at Turna, and from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. Hey, great shot. And we will see you all next time. Thanks, everyone. Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline.